You are listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on sight. Discussions of an adult nature, adult language, and spoilers for the films discussed are most likely. Still on board? Come on in. Enjoy your stay. They must be destroyed on sight! It is episode 122 of They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. I'm your host, Lee. Do you think they'll keep me in jail for this, Russell? And I'm joined by my co-host, Daniel. If you go in there, we're going to surgically remove a cowboy boot from your asshole, Harper. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well and uh, much more comfortable now that I've had the surgery. <laughs> we did advertise that we were supposed to be joined by uh, Gary Hill of Cinema Beef. Unfortunately, he had to cancel so uh, we'll just get him back uh, ASAP. And at some point, we'll be on his podcast, one of his podcasts at some point, mm-hmm. uh, again, in the near future. Uh, and Daniel will get to make his first appearance at some point because we got open invites. So there you go. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's how podcasts end is when the two of us show up. We've already discussed this. <laughs> so, Gary, when you're ready to stop podcasting, uh, about a month before, just invite us on and uh, it'll just it'll be over. Yeah, we're here to seal your doom. We're the uh, two horsemen of the uh, podcalypse, I guess is, is what it is. <laughs> a podcalypse. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we have no comments or questions. Uh, so we'll, uh, we're going to be continuing our look at our sex comedy series here. Again, we have a old sex comedy and a quote unquote new sex comedy to look at. We're going to be looking at first The Queens from 1966 from Italy. And then we're going to be moving on to 1986 and look at Recruits, another film from Rafal Selinski, who uh, directed Screwballs that we covered last week. So we're continuing with the exploitation side of things for a little bit. Yeah. Italy and Canada, two countries which have so much in common and yet uh, separated by 20 years. Uh, the cinema, somewhat different. It's a mm-hmm. two- Two slightly different films. This is certainly not, uh, you know, <laughs> repeating <laughs> elements uh, across these two films. But uh, yeah, honestly, there's very little that these two <laughs> films have in common, uh, which which is good. I do have a couple films I'll uh, talk about that I've watched in the last little while. Daniel doesn't have anything to talk about, but uh, I'll just briefly mention a couple things. So actually, just last night I watched American Movie. Have you ever s- seen that? Oh, is that the documentary about the making the low budget filmmaker in Minnesota? I think. Yeah, yeah, Mike uh, Borchardt. Yeah, I think I saw that. I mean, I saw that. I think years and years ago, but I don't remember it very well. So, yeah. yes, I've I've seen it, and it's very good, as I recall. I was actually in the same boat you were. I I had seen it years and years ago, but I'd never seen the whole thing. I thought I had seen the whole thing, yeah. but so I just decided, ah, fuck it, I'll revisit it. And yeah, I really love it. the The movie he's making is just kind of dumb like it's just a <laughs> dumb low budget horror movie right right but he actually has 
legit talent. Uh, that's one of the nice reveals of this whole documentary is even though he's taking upwards of 10 years just to make this half hour short film, when you actually look at the shots in the actual film, some of his stuff is actually really good. Like he actually has a, a really good eye for uh, framing and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Like he's actually a legit director. He's just, it's just one of those things where his personal problems, like his, his own personal failings and the economic situation he's in and everything has been like holding him back for years. Right. 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 Yeah, it's it's a really nice documentary. It doesn't make fun of its subjects or anything like that. It doesn't judge its subjects. It just sort of rolls the camera and, and watches them. A lot of that kind of shit hit really close to home, too. I'm, I'm watching, I'm going like, I know these people. Yeah, some, yeah. Of, some of these people are in my family. And and it, and it just uh, harkens back to me uh, telling people um, those, the sort of sensation that sort of came out of my province, uh, Trailer Park Boys, where, mm-hmm. where that, that's big and famous all over the world now, almost. People ask me, well, that, must, that shit must be all made up. Well, yeah, it's embellished, but honestly, not too far off from the people I grew up around in Nova Scotia. No, no, I I have this assumption that everyone in Nova Scotia is constantly holding a glass of whiskey and clinking ice and uh, drinking and uh, yeah, pretty much. And then being violent towards one another. That's, that's my, you know, knowledge of Nova Scotia. Yeah. Well, I'm anti-violence and I'm anti ice cubes in my whiskey, but uh, (laughs) otherwise, Uh, but yeah, I just, if, if you haven't watched this, I think it's really worth checking out. It's, it's one of my favorite documentaries, I think. No, um, nice. And I'm not a big documentary guy. Like I don't watch a lot of them, but, mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, it's probably not saying much, but I really enjoyed it. And I just, I, I like that sort of, I get, I guess it's kind of a, like a real true look at like an American dream kind of story where, mm-hmm. you know, he honestly doesn't come from a great background. Like his, apparently his parents always fought, like they didn't divorce, but they always fought and the household wasn't stable. Uh, although it's, it's kind of weird. Like he comes from Wisconsin and he's dirt poor. He's constantly in debt. When he's, when they start the film, they show him talking about all, like all of his bills he got in the mail and all the past due bills. And then he gets really excited because he got approved for a MasterCard, which basically means he's just going to have more debt, you know, really, really, really soon. But his parents actually seem kind of well off. It's kind of weird. It's this like rural Wisconsin town where everybody kind of lives really humbly, but nobody seems like they're near the poverty line because his parents have money. His parents have thrown like $10,000 here and there into his fucking film. If they're anywhere near the poverty line, that never would have happened. His uncle who ends up funding some of his film. And after he dies, even leaves more money for his other film that he had yet to finish. He had like $200,000 or something in the bank. Weird. And he's living in a trailer. So it's, it's interesting to see these like sort of, kind of humble people living well below their means actually they could do better but they're just kind of like living living sort of a humble existence it was interesting so, so that might be the king rust belts around that time you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, now i'm actually interested in seeing it i mean i i think i think i have seen bits of this but i've never actually seen the whole thing i know it by reputation but yeah i think i'm definitely gonna have to check it out and uh just to, just to comment on that because you know People who even get as far as this guy did in terms of like making an independent feature, you know, tend to be people who have, you know, like Kevin Smith, you know, made clerks for $30,000. That meant yeah. he had $30,000 to throw onto credit cards and selling his comic book collection and all that, you know, mm-hmm. 
Like you, you have to be pretty well off to even like consider this as an option. You know, I was, you know, when I was 19, I was like, oh, I'm going to be an indie filmmaker one day. And you, you know, when you don't even have like 500 bucks to buy, like even the cheap camcorder at the time, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, you know, you, you don't get anywhere, you know? So if you get anywhere at all, you kind of have to have some kind of resources available to you. So, yeah, actually I'm, I'm thinking this is a movie we should cover at some point on the podcast. I, yeah, I kind of no, want, I, I, I want to do like this and actually do, Coven as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's sure. a little short film. Well, yeah, let's let's uh, throw that on the list, definitely. Uh, the only other one uh, I want to mention is, uh, I watched this a few weeks back now, but it is Lynn Ramsey's You Were Never Really Here. Uh, Lynn Ramsey, I don't... Are you familiar with her as, as a director? Uh, no. She, she did the movie We Need to Talk About Kevin with uh, Tilda Swinton. Right, yep. Now I'm looking it up now. Yeah. So this is a uh, Joaquin Phoenix uh, film. At first, I thought this was like a Hitman film, and it's like, okay, so Joaquin Phoenix is finally doing his Hitman film because you know, basically every actor does at least one at some point in their career, right? The the uh, poster for this makes it look like artsy John Wick. Kind of is. It is definitely sort of an art house film, but it's basically Joaquin Phoenix is this ex soldier, f ex FBI guy who's now kind of a secret contractor for rich people who are victims of human trafficking. Like their kids get sold into sex slavery or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they basically task him to find them and bring them back by any means necessary. And he's this sort of PTSD ridden guy. He's like, he's got a lot of personal problems. Joaquin Phoenix put on some weight for this. So he's kind of, he's not fat. He's burly like he, he's you know like he, <laughs> right he, he, he had muscle at some point and he's just put this nice little layer of fat over that muscle and he's all scarred up but he's this guy who's not afraid of using really extreme violence to get his mission done so his latest mission ends up getting him in over his head with some real high ups in the government it's it's one of those things where it sort of does break down to your sort of standard thriller plot where all of a sudden everyone around him starts dying that he knows you know because they're all connected to him and they have to clean up and and cut all loose ends out and everything like that but it's it's an interesting kind of meditative sort of look at this sort of subject matter i don't know if the ending necessarily works for me so much it, it's not it's not like a uh, structured narrative in, in in the way you'd expect. Like it, it just kind of ends on a certain note, and mm-hmm. but it, it is really interesting. Half the time he's near killing himself just because he can't take the PTSD. Stress. Sounding a little bit like Man on Fire, the uh, Denzel Washington film from Tony Scott. Back yeah, then, uh, um, you know, this is sounding like kind of the better version of that. Not that I actually kind of like Man on Fire, but this is sounding a little bit like uh, the more. Uh, introspective kind of version it, it, of, of it's, that it's, kind it's, of it's a little like that, and I I would uh, my my initial thoughts on it were this is really a lot, a lot like just the relationship he sort of springs up with his the latest girl he's trying to save from the sex traffickers. It's kind of like Leon the Professional, mm. and I I really liked it. I think Joaquin Phoenix here just gives a really great performance, although he kind of. D- annoyingly he kind of does this thing that he's been doing in a lot of movies lately where he kind of mumbles his lines all the time i i don't know quite what that's about he did that what the fuck was that that bob dylan movie that he did back uh, i'm not uh, here was it a bob dylan movie or was it what whatever it was where he did hit this performance art thing for like a year where he pretended he was crazy and like actually fooled people into thinking he was nuts like he went on david letterman in character, basically hardcore method acting yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's I'm not there. It's the uh, 
No, that's not the one. Yeah, what, whatever. Like it was a documentary about him or something like that. Where yeah, I know it was like Casey Affleck was involved. I think yeah, yeah, I think so. But in ever since then, he's kind of <laughs> most of the roles I've seen him in, he's just kind of mumbled his lines. It's like okay, I need to hear what you're saying, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but but other than that, it's kind of brutal. It's kind of meditative and poetic at the same time, and I really enjoyed it. I think it's going to be on my best of. For, for this year for first time watches so well that sounds definitely like something to uh to check out then yeah mm-hmm. interesting yeah i'm trying to find this uh trying to find this fucking movie you were never really here i'm still here yeah there there there's I'm a still here that's the one american oh, mockery okay. i that's i'm getting it confused with the bob dylan bio the pseudo yeah, bob that, dylan bio that, book. Yeah. that's yeah, because that's the one. Like, actually, Tilda Swinton is in that one. Like, there's a def- That's the one where it's a bunch of different people yeah, playing yeah, yeah. Bob Dylan-esque so, characters. So, I'm not here or I'm not there. Is the uh, Bob Dylan thing with a bunch of different actors playing Bob Dylan? Mm-hmm. And I'm still here. Is a 2010 American mockumentary comedy drama film directed by Casey Affleck. And that's right. the one where Joaquin Phoenix pretends to go mad for you know two years or something. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as, as long as we as long as we've now covered that, and uh, everyone knows that we were all we were wrong the entire time we were trying to discuss this. Then you know, hey, but we we, we did our we did our research and we corrected ourselves. That's that's yeah. what you asked for us. You know, yeah. That we... Is that really what they asked for us? I don't think that's actually. What I, they I, I don't us. know what anyone listening what, this is if, asking if we, for. If we if we knew what podcast listening audience wanted, we would not be doing what we're doing for sure. A like honest question: Why are you people still here? Why are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. and, and now we're going to talk about films that no one else has ever heard of. Yeah, this, that's yeah. that's especially true, I think, with this this episode. But uh, yeah, we're going to take a quick break for some uh, podcasts and maybe a little bit of music, and we're going to be back with our first film. You ungodly warlock! Hollywood released the first sequel in 1916. I'm sure you can all say it along with me: Los Locos kick your butt. Los Locos kick your face. Los Locos kick your balls into outer space. Which is poetry. Yeah, it is. But not enough gangs have theme songs. And they've been churning them out ever since. Uh, The catcher, played by Tom Bergeron, whose name is... Tom Berenger. Tom Berenger. Did I say Tom Tom Berenger? You said Tom Tom Bergeron Bergeron from Dancing with the Stars is in this movie. Hi, I'm the catcher. (laughs) How do you sort out the good? Fred is the real hero of this movie. He's employing the homeless. He's he really back is. On their feet. Yeah, and he promised them uh, McDonald's from the bad. Usually, he's crying a lot more when he's making this much <laughs> sexual small talk with a woman. Yeah. Uh, so kudos to him for keeping it together. From the ugly. True fact. At this point in the movie, I wrote pointless, pointless, pointless. <laughs> <laughs> I had written birds birds I I, birds i think i threw my notebook like what three times yeah like at I'm, the end i was having to put oh it God. back into your hand but i wrote birds 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 <laughs> join brad and jeremy so, so snooze sue sneaks out yep snooze sneaks. i couldn't say snooze sneaks snooze sneaks out <laughs> snooze sneaks out snooze sneaks out to go find the military <laughs> so yeah, so Sue sneaks out, sneaks out. <laughs> to, to go talk to the Silver Surfer because she wants to figure out <laughs> to the Silver Surfer. Can this Silver Surfer? 
<laughs> I think we completely lost it. <laughs> oh, eight episodes in. I think we were just. I think we're crazy. We're done. Good night, uh, folks. On the Deuce Podcast. Check us out on Facebook at thedeucepodcast.podbean.com, Stitcher, iTunes, or Google Play. Well, I've never touched a bra is. before. Don't, don't <laughs> yell at me. You've never touched a bra? <laughs> well, no, I mean, whatever. I've moved. I mean, I don't. No, I don't shop for. Just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, the sequel is king. Then you come to the right place. My name is Gary and I am your guide to the Cinnamon Beef Podcast. Every episode, we not only deliver film reviews, we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films. Sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet! Alright, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. Oh, slapped. That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. Three, be nice. So join the insanity and please venture frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Remember, here at the Sun Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. You ungodly warlock. Take a look now at the Queens from 1966. Men, just for once, stop chasing and start thinking. Now you can be king for a night with your very own queen. Go ahead, take the plunge. And take your choice of Capucine, Claudia Cardinale, Monica Vitti, 
Raquel Welch. The queens have everything a man could desire. And desire. And desire. They're honorable. Faithful. Pure. Virtuous. The queens hold court. Stop traffic. Start trouble. Make love. The queens. They bite the hand that feeds them. Aid upset stomachs. Break hearts. And make love. The queens. They make you sing. They make you ache. They make you mad. They make you love. Gentlemen, the Queen. If you got your worries, you've got something plain on you. And these are their kings. Hey, hey, hey. This is directed by oh Jesus, all these names. Uh, I am. I was really looking forward to this. Just on the, we're gonna make Lee pronounce Italian names, and this is always the funniest part of any episode of Things We Destroyed on Sight is Lee butchering Italian. Yeah. So mm. d- there's a couple directors in this because it's an anthology film. So uh, first up, we have uh, Moro Bolo Ganini. Uh, who actually has extensive background in doing these sort of anthology sex comedy films from Italy. Apparently this was a big enterprise in the early to mid sixties uh, from what I can gather. Apparently hundreds of these sort of films were made next up Mario Monticelli, Antonio Pietrangeli, uh, Luciano Sals. And then this was written by Suzo Chichi de Imico. Emiko, whatever, Tonio Guria, uh, Ruggiero uh, Macarai, Luigi Magni, Luciano Salsa again, Giorgio Salovini, and Roberto Songo. Well, that wasn't too painful. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was probably painful for anyone who knows Italian. Uh, <laughs> to it, but starring so uh, so so we mumble in Italian and uh, you know hold our breath, right? That's the uh, that's the way we get through all this. Yeah. Now, now uh, go, go through the cast, why don't you? Because uh, that's going to be even better. Yeah, I, I, I kept the cast list very short. Monica Vitti as uh, Sabina. Uh, and you might know her from uh, the first Modesty uh, Blaze film. Sort of the uh, gender re- reversal of James Bond kind of thing. Enrico Maria Salerno as Gianni. And he's been in a couple of films that we've covered on this podcast. Please Serve the Citizens and Night Train Murders. And mm-hmm. he'll also be 
in a film we'll cover sometime in the future, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. So uh, there you go. The lovely Claudia Cardinelli is Armenia, uh, of course, from Once Upon a Time in the West, most famously. Gaston Moshin is Dr. Aldini. Raquel Welch is Alina. Jean Sorel is Luigi. Alberto Sordi as Giovanni. And Capocene as Marta. Synopsis for this is basically four unrelated short comedies by four different directors. Queen Sabina chronicles the sexual misadventures of a teenage girl on the road home I, I'd, I'd argue that uh, yeah yeah, yeah. No, we can argue that yeah uh queen armenia centers on a self-serving opportunistic gypsy babysitter who uses her employer's kids for her own gain the third episode queen alina centers on a husband who learns a lesson about the perils of infidelity after he succumbs to the wiles of the seductive wife next door the last vignette, Queen Marta, centers on a wealthy woman who, when drunk, uses her butler as an outlet for her lust. I'll throw it over to you, Daniel. What's sort of your history of this one? What what you've, What's your sort of initial thoughts on this? I went looking for Claudia Cardinal films on Rare Lust. There are quite a few of them. I have now had access to quite a few of them, and hopefully we're going to cover more of them. We said we wanted to do some comedies. This came billed as a sex comedy. And so it's like, well, let's throw it on and see how it is. Even though I knew she was only in, you know, kind of a quarter of it. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, this is very painless going down. It's got some really beautiful women in it. It's got some really beautiful locations. There are uh, bits of this that are that are pretty funny. It's got some, uh, it's, it's kind of, you know, both kind of mainstream in terms of the... Uh, kind of themes in it i mean you know it feels like it's it's definitely made for a commercial paying audience but it does have kind of an art house vibe to it and partly that's just anything set in you know anything anything made in italy in the early 60s just kind of has a little bit of an art house kind of thing to it it's just that's just what they were doing in film at the time yeah. it's uh definitely it, it holds the attention it, it you know it doesn't it doesn't uh you know, I wasn't bored watching this, uh, but, you know, kind of a day later, I'm kind of like, well, what happened in this film? <laughs> um, you know, it's it's sort of, uh, I mean, and, and it's it's uh, kind of designed to be kind of easily disposable in some ways. I guess we should talk about the four segments uh, individually. Mm-hmm. I think overall, I like the film. I think I'd recommend that people watch it. But there isn't there isn't much here to kind of sink our teeth into, I think. It's maybe in maybe one segment in particular, I think, maybe has some, some kind of interesting stuff. But... Uh, why don't I? Why don't I throw it back to you? And what's your kind of overall impressions of the of the film? I found this really interesting um, because I was sort of going into this from my sort of limited knowledge of Italian comedies. I was sort of expecting one thing, and I definitely got another with this. Like you said, it, it's much more artsy than I expected. Um, this this isn't like the big body screwball sex comedies that you get from Italy around this time. It's it's not just a bunch of frumpy middle aged men running around with all flustered because they have all these beautiful naked uh, women. It, it doesn't it doesn't feel like a Benny Hill sketch, you know. Exactly. The, yeah. Two hours. Yeah. No. There's there's more going on than that. Mm, it's kind but, of a comedy of manners in in, in a lot of places. There's a yeah. lot of that going on. Honestly, I feel like I need like another pass through this just yeah. like to really pick things up because it's not narratively. It's not necessarily so overt in what it's saying with the different segments i don't think like the first segment half the time i'm kind of wondering what they're trying to say here like for for a while i'm like are are they are are they basically slut shaming this woman and trying to rape her within the first 12 minutes what what the hell is going on here 
uh, and then it sort of unveils as it goes that there's a little bit more going on, but uh, still, I don't know if I necessarily get the point. Um, yeah, and I, th- I think there might be kind of a cultural and even language barrier to yeah. a little bit of this. Um, I think that certain things, I mean, I, I do feel like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I did uh, just before we got on, I kind of skimmed through a little bit of it, just kind of going like, did I miss something? What am I What am I supposed to be getting out of this? Particularly the first segment, which is really just uh, Monica Vitti writing, who uh, I looked it up. She was born in 1931, so she would have been 35 <laughs> when yeah. this film was made. Not and a so if she is supposed to be a teenager, that's definitely uh, she is definitely not a teenager. No, I, I kind of read, she's being chased and, and literally, I mean, you know, the whole thing is kind of just one big like extended multiple rape sequence right yeah um because you know we literally open on her being chased to the forest and like held down as she's you know and she's kind of escaping and then she she starts hitchhiking and you know it's sort of like she is can kind of continually chased by these other men you know through the woods and then at the end she finds this guy that you know she's kind of coming on to him and he uh ends up kind of being resistant to her wiles he's kind of going after some other woman he he's making a phone call and you know based on what he's saying on the phone suddenly she wants to chase him mm-hmm. and then why why that's the ending you know hey you know you wanted me but now you can't have me sort of thing i feel like there's some kind of reading of this that's more than just you know monica vidi is gorgeous and we want to kind of watch her wear this gorgeous dress and uh ride around in a car for you know yeah uh, 25 minutes but i and i and i feel like it might just be there's a language barrier that the translation just isn't isn't the best and yeah. uh, we're kind of missing something because uh the, the only version really available of this film is basically the english dub um yeah and so there there is a bit of a weirdness there like some of the dialogue comes off a little stilted and weird half the time i was wondering okay so is does she knowingly know what she's doing like is she is she flirting with dudes or is the implication here that she has no idea how beautiful she is and that everything she does is just setting off these like really disgustingly perverted Italian sex perverts <laughs> because and they make a point talking here and, and I almost picked this up as maybe it's kind of commenting on Italian sex comedies mm-hmm. during this time where the last guy that she hooks up with here that she takes a ride from is like, I guess an American tourist he's supposed to be or something mm-hmm. like that. And he's like, Oh, Italian men are sexually obsessed and they're all perverts. And so is it making a comment on the ridiculousness of those films? And is she just an innocent in this or is she someone who perpetually sort of kicks off these sort of cycles uh, because she wants to because she's into it? Like it, it doesn't give you any answers to that. It, it just gives you the joke at the end that she ends up running after this guy and trying to chase him through the woods to rape him potentially, you know? <laughs> so it, because, it because what he was saying to his, you know, mistress over the phone was so uh, hypnotizing and erotic. Yeah. You know, you know clearly, really, you know, he was really putting on the charms, you know, it's like, uh, you know, wackity schmackity do she becomes the rapist it's like, okay. yeah. yeah no there's there's definitely i mean it's it, it feels like the film i mean i think the fact that this is you know four segments made by four different directors i mean it does seem like like a lot of short films i mean it does it it doesn't feel like it's just kind of existing to be sexy it's it feels like it is trying to do something yeah. and i'm just not sure i I'm not sure I'm plugged into 
the world of these films because I mean hundreds of these things were made. Maybe this is a case of us kind of plucking something out of its context and just not really yeah. getting it. You know, not really getting what it's trying to do. But I think it's. Uh, I think we should move on mm-hmm. to yeah. the, uh, the second segment. Uh, is our Claudia Cardinal segment? I think this is clearly the the best of the four. Um, um I, I'd, I'd say it's second best, but uh, okay. Go on. Well, you're okay. This this podcast is over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think this is. Uh, I think I know. Well, I mean, it'll be interesting to see kind of where we go. Claudia Cardinal, I love her so much. Mm. She is amazing. Um, I think she. This is this is one where she's. We don't really know what's going on at first because she goes into this doctor's office and she's you know my baby is sick and she's kind of manipulating this guy and kind of. She keeps using the baby in ways to like mm-hmm. manipulate people to give her things, and then eventually we learn that she is, you know, a nursemaid that she's, you know, babysitting these babies and of of like wealthy people, and that she's just using them <laughs> as a way to like manipulate you know the people around her and like get yeah. money out of them and stuff. And I mean, it's even like, oh, well, didn't, wasn't your baby blonde? Wasn't your baby brown hair? Didn't he have brown hair? Oh no, no, I dyed his hair. Is that good yeah. for the baby? Oh, whatever. You know. Like, <laughs> well, that's I mean, the thing. It, like, she has different babies at different times. Like at yeah. one point, one's Chinese. Like she's switching babies yeah. around. Yeah, yeah, and it's it, at the same time. There's this kind of comedy romance thing happening with mm-hmm. the guy. What's his name? Uh, uh, Dr. Aldini, who is quite good. I kind of like his uh, mm-hmm. his little performance there. Um, he he does a good befuddled, um, which is which yeah. is you know for a while I'm like, is this? I mean, is is this kind of the original manic pixie dream girl kind of thing? And then eventually, <laughs> no, this is a woman who's like legit scamming people. It gives it there. There is a certain level of like a, I don't want to say realism, but there is a grittiness to that idea that the film doesn't shy away from that aspect of it. There, there's a there's a definite bigotry in the in, inherent in this because she's a gypsy, mm-hmm. and and they're well, we should uh, say Romani just for you know yeah and but they they make allusion and I guess they're doing it as a joke so it's kind of all right but they're they're making allusions to the sort of baby snatcher kind of mm-hmm. uh, stereotype of gypsies child snatching and all that yep. stuff. So they're definitely playing off that. And honestly, oh, I will say, although this is my second favorite segment in this movie, Claudia Cardinelli is clearly the best actress in this entire film. And her performance she gives here is great. And she puts on, hands down, one of the all-time greatest sexy silhouettes I've ever seen on screen. (laughs) Like She has a scene in this film where you just see the silhouette of her getting naked in a doorway yeah. and it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is one of those moments where, you know, you both want there to be a little more light and you're perfectly fine with there not being any. Yeah. Um, and uh, she does, she does sleep with this guy. So, uh, you know, he, he got, he, he, he got some fun out of it. Don't, yeah. you know, it's like, I don't care who you are right now, Claudia Cardinal. I will um, take the consequences later for the, uh, for the ability to have you come and snuggle up to me like yeah, that. Yeah, and it's, you know? it's not like he really ends up with any consequences. It's just like yeah. she she leaves. That's basically yeah. the consequence. She, she, she kind of fucks with his life for, for a few days, and uh, then it's over. Uh, no, she's she's amazing in this, and uh, it is sort of one of those things where, I mean, if you've only seen Cardinal in Once Upon a Time in the West, which I think most people, I mean, right. I, that's not uncommon. 
common. Um, in fact, uh, one of the reasons I downloaded a bunch of films was just to see her in more stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, we've got a bunch of them, so hopefully we're going to just start covering a lot more Claudia Cardinal stuff. But you see her in this, and this is only two years earlier, and, I mean, she's very recognizable in the sense of, you know, you can tell who the fuck it is. You know, it's yeah. not, it's not, you know, she looks the same, but it's a very, very different kind of performance because uh, as a Jill in Once Upon a Time in the West, she is, you know, she has this kind of hard as a nails kind of emotional detachment from a lot of stuff. She clearly yeah. loves her husband, but you know, that's a very different kind of performance in this sort of, you know, manipulative liberty gibbet kind of, kind of thing. <laughs> um, and uh, it's just, it really, you know, watching this uh, sequence really kind of makes her talents rise uh, even higher than they otherwise would in my uh, estimation. Yeah. There's it's... a, there's a reason that Claudia Cardinal has had like a 50 year career. You know, yeah, and she's still around, eighty years old now at this yeah. point. Yeah. And uh, she was acting just a few years ago, from what I understand. Like she's, yeah, you know, she 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 is not like retired at all. You know, no, she <laughs> or at least I mean, I don't think she's still making films regularly, but she she made films for years and years. So yeah, no, she's she's absolutely fantastic in this. And honestly, I would just full out recommend this film just on the strength of this segment. Oh yeah, yeah. no, definitely. So. I mean, even just on the basis of her performance in this segment, mm-hmm. um, you know, even even if you don't watch the other three segments, this one is definitely worth checking out. And I think the whole film is worth checking out uh, as well. Yeah, I like the sort of uh, motif to go through with this with the uh, jukebox. Uh, uh, <laughs> it, it, I love that song. That mm-hmm. song that they keep that they play. Over I, I, I found it, so it's going to be oh, playing on the episode too. Awesome. So. Well, I need to know the title. It sounds very J poppy to me. I kept like coming back and. Uh, it, it, you know, yeah, it's, it's it's some sort of weird like little genre that was in Italy for a while. Like it yeah. was swing something, or, or I, I can't even I can't remember what the fuck it is. But yeah, uh, it, it will be on the on the episode. So there you go. Awesome. But, um, yeah, no. but, but I, I like it because and, and it's weird because like you're right. It it really kind of sets the viewer off. Like what the fuck's going on? Because the doctor is called down to her place quote unquote and it's this almost open just balcony that's overlooking (laughs) like a train station or something when i first saw that i was is this just the only spot they had to film you know is is this a budgetary constraint is this where this woman really lives and uh once you kind of realize what's actually going on then uh you get you get a better sense of oh okay you know because but although she's you know babysitting these these kids still when the doctor finds the real mother of the kid, she's actually living there in that spot. Like she's yeah. actually, so it's like, okay, so this must be like strictly something that was maybe acceptable in Italy at that point, And maybe still is, who knows, but people living in <laughs> awkward areas off to the side and like public buildings and stuff like that. Like, you've okay. got to wonder if that's, if there's a, there's an attempt at a sort of social realism here, right? Where, uh-huh. um, you know the 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 doctor or, or I kept thinking you know doctor and companion you know, <laughs> you know Claudia Cardinal is the greatest Doctor Who companion that was never a Doctor. Oh my Who God, that would have been so good. Um, this would have been uh, uh, right at that cusp of uh, Hartnell Troughton as well. So you know, oh, her and Troughton, yes, that would have been something. <laughs> what what a what a contrasting fucking physical difference too like that would have been frumpy old Troughton in his fucking with his, with his bowl, cut, with his bowl yeah. cut and ridiculous pants and then you know Claudia Cardinal walking around as long as she's holding the baby the whole time you know that would be you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
No, uh, I do. I do wonder if there's an is there at least an attempt at some sort of social realism of of sort of like economic deprivation. I mean, we're only twenty years out from World War II. You know, the doctor here he has this kind of like middle class existence, and I mean, the whole point of this character is that she's just grifting off of people. And uh, so, and and I know that a lot of these films were you know they were supposed to be kind of fun and lighthearted, kind of sexy comedies, but there was a you know this kind of social realism underneath that, and I and I wonder if that's part of what's going on here. And again, we're just divorced enough from the context that we're not necessarily seeing it in the same right. light, you know? Um, and so some of these elements just seem a little weird, but I think it's, I don't know, it's its interesting. Uh, this segment definitely is one I'm going to at least revisit uh, fairly soon just to kind of try to get a, another look at that one, you know? Yeah. So moving on to the third segment, um, yep. I, I would say that I would personally say this is the least of all of them in the film. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it basically relies on Raquel Welch is really sexy. And yes, I agree. Raquel Welch is very sexy. Yeah. Um, this doesn't have much to say. This is basically dude sleeps with his neighbor's wife mm-hmm. and gets really awkward afterwards and then realizes that, well, if I'm sleeping with his wife, then maybe somebody else is sleeping with my wife. And like, that's maybe I'm not so cool with that. And that's, uh, you know, well, maybe you hoist on your own petard, motherfucker. You know? Yeah, stop <laughs> like, being you know? a dick. <laughs> kind of. uh, the, the, the point of that one is definitely watching uh, Raquel Welch in that uh, skirt and that uh, top. Oh, yeah. When she climbs the ladder there. That's she like, climbs okay. the ladder and you see a lot of like, uh, you know, uh, language shots of her back there. Yeah. And that, you know, uh, my wife and I watched this together and we were definitely kind of pausing and going like, how exactly is that top constructed? I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, like I, I'm not, I'm not like, what what is what is this she's wearing it's like it's italy it's 1966 it's just yeah, it's it's, it's, it's on there by a hope and a prayer more than anything else this one looks really good i mean it looks gorgeous it's just kind of like there's not i mean there's just, nothing there's no there's no real content i mean there's a very, little bit of there's some light comedy where the guy like yeah. bangs his head and you know there's some you know there's just some awkward situations where like the two friends show up and he's like trying to put his clothes on and everything but it's it's uh, you know like that's that's kind of it. I mean, it's really just like I mean, it does seem like well, this is the one where we got the big star Raquel Welch is in this segment, and so mm-hmm. uh, we don't really have to work quite so hard. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. to make it, something it, interesting. It's it's incredibly one note. It's just oh, I'm cheating on my wife, and hey, she's probably cheating on me. Wackity mm-hmm. schmackity do. But I, I, I did like how um, he, he comes to the house and she offers him a drink. It's like, what do you want? And he's like, well, I want some biocarbonate or whatever, like antacid mm-hmm. for, for, yeah. for his upset stomach. And so when they're going to have sex, you basically, instead of seeing a shot of like a rocket standing up or whatever, you see antacid fizzing yep. in the glass. So I kind of like think, that. I think those classic Alka-Seltzer commercials were right around this time as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know how, how well that would have played in Italy or if that would have been a, you know, I don't know how, how much those ads would have played out, uh, you know, across the pond there. But the idea of kind of using the cinematic language of advertising in that way I don't know. There's something, again, it feels like maybe, again, we're kind of divorced from the context and maybe certain elements of this aren't playing in quite the same way. There's definitely a sense of, I mean, you kind of look at this like apartment house and, you know, these are, these are well-off wealthy people. And so we are kind of watching this sort of comedy of errors and this sort of comedy of manners that's just sort of built around, you know, like wealthy people just doing the kinds of playing the kinds of games that wealthy people do. And I think that there is, there is almost this sort of like, uh, 
I want like a Paris Hilton or a Kardashian yeah. element to this to this segment, you know, where it really is just you know trivial problems that rich people have, you know. Yeah, they have weird houses, man. Like they have these really weird modern mm-hmm. design. Well, for the sixties, modern design, like almost sci fi ish looking fucking housing, yeah. you know. Like I mean, it looks it looks like you could have shot Clockwork Orange, you know. Yeah, right there, you know. Um, exactly. Yeah. And that's and that's kind of the I mean that was just kind of the design of the time I mean it is it is just that era in Italy um they're also you know like they're in this little subculture where they're doing like this uh, needlework this needlecraft mm-hmm. um kind of you know they're just gifting each other these you know I, you know and it, and again it's like it's I, I mean if there's if there is a sort of like deeper element to this one it is just sort of the you know the class divide is is yeah. right here and that one plays definitely in the fourth segment is is definitely something that we're going to come back to but i mean this one is just it's just kind of like light and fluffy and it just kind of yeah. exists almost this one exists just to kind of give us a um like a breather before we get to the third segment which is or the fourth segment which is the longest of the of the four mm-hmm. um and i think probably the most intricate yeah yeah, we'll we'll move on to the fourth segment here, and this this is my favorite one out of yeah. all of them in the film. Yeah. Once once you said it wasn't the Claudia Cardinal one, it was pretty obvious which one was your favorite. Yeah, um, I, this one is my second favorite. So you know, there you go. Yeah, uh, and of course this one is basically uh, this butler who's looking for a job. Basically, get you know he he's basically networking at this party. Mm-hmm. And he gets hooked up with this. Uh, I guess he's a doctor, and in his in his wife. And she is one of these uh, nymphomaniacs who basically, when she gets blackout drunk, she she turns into a nymphomaniac, and and you know it will fuck anything that moves. <laughs> and uh, this poor schlub of a uh, butler has much more intricate feelings about that, where he he's much more invested in the potential relationship than she right. is. And, well, he doesn't. He doesn't get what's going on at first. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, at first he thinks, "Oh, this is you know." She can't say that she's like into me, but she will. You know, this is this is done on the sly. And then, like, I think gradually he comes to maybe realize what's really going I, on. Yeah, I think he does. That's what I like about this part of the film. I think there's a lot deeper intricacies going on in this one. I think uh it's a bit more artistic in its ending i think and yet and yet on a surface level it's there's it's a little bit like bumbling butler right it's mm-hmm. a little bit like it's almost got a pink panther kind of vibe you yeah know? like like and, a, a and, specter Clouseau, just kind of you know unaware of what's going on around him and kind of just getting through life sort of you know kind of element and, I, and that's not a negative i think that those that, that that sort of like sort of light comedy tone plays at the sort of deeper class dynamic in the sequence because the whole point is you know we kind of walked into this movie thinking we're watching kind of one kind of you know Mm -hmm. concept but then it turns out like there is this kind of deeper psychodrama that's being uh, played around with here see i feel like this could have been stretched out to a feature length like this could have been a whole movie right and the uh lady in this one capacine I believe she was actually in one of the Pink Panther films, if I'm not mistaken. I think that she makes was. Sense. I, I think I think going through and uh, finding uh, other movies that these actors and actresses have been in is going to be one of those uh, we're going to hit a lot of pay dirt. Uh, yeah. In terms of like some really good movies, kind of thing. Um, I started looking through like all the other stuff that these uh, actors and actresses have been in, and going, yeah, that looks like something we need to cover. Yeah, that looks like something we need to cover. Basically, we need to do more Italian films. Uh, because mm-hmm. we, 
they've kind of hit winners so far in Italy. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah, I, I like everything about this segment. Um, yeah. it, it, it does sort of play to that sort of more goofy, dumb schlub is, you know, enamored with the really hot chick kind of Italian stereotype of these sort of sex comedies. But there's a deeper thing here. It's a bit more emotional. I think at the end, it is kind of sad and poetic because he kind of realizes where his place is in this sort of thing. Like he's never going to really get her, but you know, whenever she's drunk, he's probably, he's probably going to get on her, but he's never going to be able to have that relationship with her. Right. Well, and you know, when she, when she does kind of come on to him, it's in a like specifically like, I want you to dominate me. I want you to take me kind of, you know, kind of way. And there, there is a, I mean, I don't want to get too heady about this, but like there really is this kind of, you know, reading of capitalism sort of, sort of, you know, like the class d- divide is set up where she doesn't have to care about his needs. She can just take from him what she wants when she wants it. Yeah. And so, you know, and the fact that he is in this kind of station beneath her just means that like she just doesn't have to care about any, you know, there, there's no, you know, if he starts to complain, she'll just fire him and, and find the next guy, you know, and it's yeah. fine, you know. And so there is that kind of element of maybe, I mean, maybe we're supposed to read this as uh, she doesn't quite know what's going on. Maybe she is getting blackout drunk and, and just kind of doing this. But maybe there is this reading of she knows exactly what she's doing. And, you know, this is just the way that she is fooling herself or fooling him or, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't know. There, there is a, a more complex dynamic at work here i think my favorite part of this is just the final scene where mm-hmm. he's he's driving her in the car and the camera's on him he's kind of accepting his fate here and he's you know he's sort of melancholy about it he's, he's smiling a little bit but he's sad at the same time he doesn't get to cry but it moves to a shot of the windshield and rain is starting to pour down and that kind of is sort of symbolic of you know what mm-hmm. he's feeling right inside at that point i thought that was really good no, no, that, that, it's well done. It's well done. And, uh, of course, he has to tilt the uh, mirror down to check out her legs, you know, one yeah. last time, which, you know. <laughs> well, you uh, know, he's tilting it down. He's like, you know what? I'm, I'm never going to have an actual relationship with this woman, but it's kind of worth it. These, these legs. You know? Hey, you know, just got to keep her stocked in champagne. That's the, uh, that's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Uh, Overall, I think having talked to, having kind of talked through it with you, it I, I feel more positively than I did maybe sitting down to this. I was kind of on the fence about whether this film was kind of worthwhile, but I think it is, and I think I will be revisiting it. I think uh, pretty soon to uh, to try to kind of wring out some more details from it, and I would recommend the audience do so as well. Yeah, no, I liked it. I thought it was interesting. It had some interesting ideas, like I said, and we both said here. There might be some cultural context that we're just totally missing out here, but that's kind of the fun of this. It makes me want to watch it more and actually try to dig deeper and figure out if there's, you know, anything else going on that we kind of missed. So, yeah. And also check out other films from these directors and uh, maybe check out some more of these <laughs> anthology Italian sex comedies from the I, 60s. You know? I think we need to. I think we do because. Honestly, this feels like it's kind of like a late period version of these. Like from what I was looking at, this is kind of like late in the sort of cycle of these Mm -hmm. uh, in in their popularity. So we need to I think we need to go back and check out some more of these and see what they have to offer. So, yeah, well, let's find some titles and let's do it, because clearly this is what the audience comes to us for. (laughs) We discover old genres that nobody's ever heard of. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, two people are going to watch along with us. And uh, that's the that's the way it goes. So. It works for me, man. DVD info. There's actually, you can actually get the English dub version of this from uh, Sony Choice Collection, which I guess is their burn on demand sort of thing. Apparently they've had this available since 2011 for that. So mm-hmm. if you want to check that out, I, there's also, I think, plenty of pirated sort of burn on demand things you can do. You can get this off rare lust. You can get this on YouTube broken up in its four segments. And just a sad bit of trivia here though. Uh, Capucine, who was the uh, woman mm-hmm. in the last segment, she committed suicide at age 62 in Switzerland. Uh, mm-hmm. Jump, jumped from her eight story apartment apparently. And she's kind of interesting. Like she, she has a pretty unique little biography when I was uh, reading into her. Like she, Apparently she didn't take shit from anybody. She was this kind of like this very singular kind of like model actress. She had like, uh, I think an affair with uh, William Holden at some point. She was only (laughs) married once for within a period of a year, like a couple months or something like that. And she, apparently she just did everything her own way and decided it's like 62. I'm done. Take no shit, you know, leave leave it, leave a good looking corpse, I guess. I don't know. You know, Hey, do do your thing. She's really good. I mean, really, all the performances are really quite good here. Yeah, and I, and I and I think that maybe that's easy to overlook. You know, with with the, with these kind of films where it's like I don't really know any of these people. It's kind of you know you're not really connected to anybody. And I think everybody kind of comes across quite well. And uh, even even the kind of you know some of the problematic yeah. stuff that goes on in the film. I think it you know it it leaves me kind of wondering if there's something I'm missing. And uh, I think that. Uh, yeah, and uh, and all I mean everything looks great. I mean, again, even if you don't kind of get into the deeper like kind of elements of it, you can put this on and just sort of like I can almost see like putting this on with people over, just mm-hmm. turn the sound down, and then just let the like just let the scene replay. There's a ton of great imagery in this, you know. This feels like a film where I'd want other people to give their opinions on what the fuck's going on yeah. <laughs> half the time. You know, it's like, well, what's your interpretation of this shit? Because just watching it alone in, in in my room or whatever on on TV on the fucking computer is okay. I'm well, getting it, some stuff, but it reminds us that cinema was uh, always meant to be a uh, communal experience, right? Yeah, you know, like, yeah. like certainly at this time, you know, the idea of like, oh, I download a you know <laughs> an illicit copy, which by the way, I would be happy to pay for this if there was you know yeah, an easy way of doing so i would i would happily pay the like 3.99 for the amazon rental but it's not like available for for rent or whatever i, I want this in the original language is what i want yeah no that's the, that's the thing that would like prevent me from spending the 20 or 30 bucks on the dvd is i want the i want this kind of restored i want it in italian I want it with subtitles, and I want like a little documentary that explains what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I want, and I want the uh, color corrected ver- version of that hallway scene with Claudia Cardinal. Oh, a special feature, you know? Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want the I want the lights turned up, you know, version of that scene. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised. There's no. Uh... Uh, Mr. Skin types out there uh, who have not taken the scene and like uh, process it through the computer and, and Mr. 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 Skin does not have this film listed on. Uh, on I mean, I I, well, I do I do that sometimes. I go and I check, you know, like what is you know what is Mr. Skin kind of think is important about this. That's a disgusting like little, but it's it's very useful to know like what the disgusting you know just ripping scenes out of movies and monetizing mm-hmm. that community has to say about these things. And uh, 
Claudia Cardinal, I mean, Claudia Cardinal has her own page on Mr. Scan, and this mm. film is not listed. You know, but as, there's as, no as, real nudity in this film. No, there's not. There's, I mean, uh, I mean, Claudia Cardinal, I mean, apparently, like, only did nudity once in her career, and that was yeah. very early in her career. And I think that's, uh, you know, well, you know, I, I might <laughs> wish she had done, you know, but at the same time, yeah, like, I completely but... respect that. She had a career as she's gorgeous and sexy and, you know, able to be sexual without actually oh, kind of she... doing the nudity, you know. <laughs> She, she did more of her her bust uh, line in Once Upon a Time in the West clothes yes. than she ever yeah. could have done nude. Okay, I'm I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Check this film out. It's worth the download. It's worth the effort to kind of get get to get this. I don't know how good looking the uh, version on YouTube is, but if the uh, if it's, it's all right, it's, it's about what you sourced for us from uh did you get it from rare lust or uh... i got it from rare lust yeah 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 so, so i think it's from rare lust means you know you do have to kind of go through the slight effort of downloading it in three segments and extracting it and you know that sort of thing and most mm-hmm. people will not go through that much effort but if the version on youtube is even decent it's it's worth checking out yeah uh so we'll oh, be right... got these little cute animations in between the, oh, uh... oh yeah i was gonna mention that that's yeah. kind of that's kind of a thing i miss i miss from films where you know the the intro for films is uh, you know, animated or whatever. Like they mm-hmm. used to do that all the time. They never do it really anymore. It's, it's another another thing, that, another thing that gives it a little bit of that Pink Panther vibe, right? Right, right, right. Although the the animation style and quality is like Mr. Magoo. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Monty Python, but without the wit. It's right. Kind of <laughs> but it's cute. It's cute animation. So yeah, check check it out. And I'm just another little thing that uh, gets added on there. Okay, let's move on to the recruits. Come on. Yeah, uh, so we'll be right back after a little piece of music, and we'll be talking about recruits. Ah! <laughs> Ya 
Okay, Recruits from 1986, directed by our friend Rafael Zelinsky, who also did Screwballs in the previous episode. Written by Maurice Smith, who is actually a pretty prolific producer. Among the stuff he produced, one of the most flashy titles, anyway, is Flesh Gordon Meets the Cosmic Cheerleaders. So, Flesh Gordon 2. Well, put that one on the list. (laughs) (laughs) Can we do that next week? Maybe we should. Maybe actually, maybe we should do Flesh Gordon and Flesh Gordon too. That might be some. That that's a good idea. I like that. I, I'm a genius. I come up with great ideas all the time. <sighs> Daniel, you've outdone yourself. Also written by Charlie Weiner and BK Roderick, and both these guys have basically all their credits or all of my credits revolve around Marie Smith or Rafael Zelensky at some point. It's, it's kind of like a true. <laughs> I- I, I wrote the stuff in between people taking their tops off. That's yeah. the, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, starring... <laughs> it's a living. <laughs> yeah, it's a living. <laughs> uh, it's starring Doug Anir as Mike Budowski? Budowski? Whatever. Budowski. I think it's Budowski. I think it's yeah. supposed to be like butt out, so yeah. It's, that's just my poor reading skills. John Canada Terrell as Winston Rich... Cliff the third, so he's got Canada in his name, so you know he's good. <laughs> Stephen Osmond as Steve Gorman. Alan DeVoe, who was Howie from Screwballs, is mm-hmm. now Howie Glockstein in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Mike McDonald, who is actually a famous Canadian stand-up comedian who just recently died this year, a couple months ago, as Captain Magruder. Tony Travis as Master Sergeant Stonewell. Anne McCauley as Tanya Lolita Davidich. This is like her third role as Susan. She's actually quite a prolific actress. Actually, she's probably done more than anyone else in this cast. Colleen Pissard as Sergeant Schnickelgruber, (laughs) which is Hitler's (laughs) real name, by the way, if if you didn't get that joke, uh, and she is basically playing a uh, Nazi in this this film. <laughs> the sexy Nazi. Yeah. I.e. the best kind of Nazi. Yes. Tracy Tanner as Brazil, and one of my favorites, John Michael Thor as Thunderhead. The synopsis for this is... Within two weeks, Sergeant Hardbutt has to clean up the crime in the streets before the governor arrives. Hardbutt is forced to supplement his overworked staff with civilian recruits who he schemes to use to a disastrous advantage. Throw over to you, Daniel. What's your sort of initial thoughts on this one? I grew up on the Police Academy films. I, As a child, I had a deep love for that kind of humor i think uh, particularly like the first police academy film i haven't seen it in many years but i think the first one holds up in ways that a lot of the sequels don't in the sense that it's it's really got some heart to it it's really got sort of a story i mean it is sort of like you know there's a reason steve gutenberg becomes a star it's got kim cattrall she's very sexy but also very you know intelligent and fetching and the thing with police academy is that it kind of takes this cast of characters and kind of builds them into these they become caricatures but they they, Mm -hmm. you know they have personalities they have you know like they come on they do their bit and then they leave you know and that's kind of the point of police academy recruits is let's not do that (laughs) (laughs) let's take the police academy formula not cast it with like interesting looking funny people and just sort of do the same thing again and miss the entire, you know, logic of why any of this matters, but uh, throw some boobs in it to, uh, to get the audience. And therefore 
if that's what it's meant to do, it's a masterpiece because it does that perfectly. There's one sequence towards the middle that I think is a real missed opportunity because it was, uh, you know, there, there's a sequence where uh, there are these two recruits who are um, basically just kind of going off to, to screw at any opportune moment. And they uh, end up in the, in the front seat of a car where the, the governor shows up. And is then like it's supposed to go through a parade, and they're 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 nude in the in the thing, and there is this sort of uh, element of they're driving around and nobody notices that they're naked, and so like there is this sort of opportunity for you know this real kind of awkward kind of comedy to kind of happen, and then for a while I thought it was going to be like a JFK reference because they end up in the in the middle of this parade sequence and then he's like put the top down and he's standing up and I just expect like him to be like a bullet to go through the back of his head. <laughs> you know? Definitely um, playing off that. Yeah, yeah, they're they're playing on that idea. Um, it kind of goes nowhere, but it was really one of those moments where I'm like, my God, they're they're actually doing this. This is this is pretty impressive overall you know it's fairly painless it's not an unpleasant watch but i have you know i watched it two days ago and again it's just kind of completely out of my memory there's some funny stuff like while it's playing but it is it's the thing we talked about screwballs and i went back and listened to that episode um since we recorded it you know the thing with screwballs is that it's just so aggressively juvenile that it just sort of rises to a sort of greatness just by like not caring about anything and i feel like recruits is just sort of it doesn't it's not kind of willing to go as far to just be stupid as screwballs is yeah. you know and because it's not quite willing to do that and then it doesn't kind of give us anything in exchange it just kind of comes across as at least for me it comes across as kind of really aggressively generic you know it just sort of there's not anything for me to sink my teeth into at all in this um so yeah. Now that now that I've said that, tell me how this is one of your favorite movies of its kind, and uh, that I'm completely wrong. <laughs> no, I'm not going to tell you that. Um, so I'd only seen bits and pieces of this. I basically just picked this because <laughs> I, I, I wanted to watch it. So and it okay, was like, okay. okay, it's like the same guy who did Screwball. So let's let's check it out. Yeah, I don't know. It's got it's got John Michael Thor at the very least. I want to check him out in this. So see, I don't know who John Michael Thor is, but like, well, on, uh, the, on the Facebook feed, that like apparently he's someone I should know. So. Well, remember um, one of my favorite movies I think from two years ago was I Am Thor. Uh, yeah, the, the, the Thor documentary. Yeah, so this is the same guy. The um, best movie about Thor that does not star a Hemsworth brother. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, John Michael Thor, who was a bodybuilder, became a rock musician, started his own band, and then mm-hmm. sort of sidestepped into acting and producing and directing himself. So this is his first role. So I, uh, I like it just to check out his early shit and see what he was doing. But yeah, this is kind of diminishing returns from the sort of screwballs formula. Like it, it it does really have kind of the screwballs formula where your main four heroes or whatever in this are, they're all arrested. So it's, it's basically the same as the heroes and screwballs getting detention. You know, They, they all come together in that regard. This one is basically just, okay. So police Academy was really successful. Let's rip that off and put more tits in it. Because the right. first Police Academy had tits in it. That was oh, the yeah, raunchy yeah. one, right? After that, it kind of turned into more family-friendly yeah. comedy. And it um, becomes kind of like basic cable fare. You know, yeah. Point. yeah. But, I mean, the, the, the whole thing with the first Police Academy film is that Mahoney, you know, Steve Gutenberg's character, 
wants to get kicked out of the police academy because if he gets mm-hmm. kicked out, then he doesn't have to go to jail. But, you know, Schroeder wants to send him to jail. But like, so, so there's this essential tension where basically Schroeder can just torture this guy relentlessly. And then uh, Mahoney can't quit because if he quits, they, you know, and so there's, there's this sort of dynamic tension that runs through the entire film and kind of justifies, oh, you know, why any of this is happening to begin with. And I, I'm not saying it's like a sophisticated story, but it's, it, it, it gives it a, a uh, you know, there's a reason that this shit is happening, you know, yeah, yeah. Whereas no. here it kind of feels like everybody's kind of playing pranks, but there's no, there's no reason this guy's an asshole, right? Except just, he just kind of is. He has and, to be. Yeah. He's really he has to be. There's no commandant Lassard. In this no, film, no, no, no. There, there's no, you know, and that, and that's the sort of thing to where it's just those little elements that uh, kind of make that series. I mean, as stupid as the Police Academy series is, <laughs> and uh, one of these days we are going to do the entire Police Academy series. Oh, okay. we meatballs. The way we did meatballs. We're going to we do meatballs. Yeah, we're going to do seven Police Academy films, and oh uh, we're going to hate ourselves by the end. <laughs> uh, Police Academy Five. They go to Miami Beach. They I'm do gonna... the same gags they did in the last four, <laughs> and a girl gets out of the uh, gets out of the pool and it's sexy. Therefore, it's I'm, done. You know, I'm, I'm gonna hate you more than I, I hate myself after. Yeah, that. No, 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 that's fair. That's fair. Sorry. Maybe we'll maybe we'll spread it across two episodes. Maybe that's the. Yeah, the, the, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah but. Yeah, so this is kind of what both the uh, quote-unquote balls films and any other sort of related film that uh, Zelensky did kind of felt like. Like, it's very much diminishing returns uh, from Screwballs. Screwballs was kind of like the apex of this kind of thing. And then after that, it's like, okay, we're we're just going to do cheap ripoffs of that and wh- whatever's popular at the time. Like, there there is some in- inventiveness in this, but it's, you know, it's not... Jim Wornowski and Linda Shane writing this, so it's not yeah. up to it's not up to par with the usual shit. Uh, so you know, you got this like cheap Clint Eastwood ripoff character, um, <laughs> who was who was kind of one of my favorite dudes, just because at least he's at least he's got a gimmick, right? You know yeah, I mean? he's committed. But uh, and then you have the sexy Nazi girl who is basically the stand-in for Leslie Easterbrook from Police uh, mm-hmm. Academy, right? And it's like I'm I'm on board for what she's doing. I, I like her uh, sort of techniques for uh, getting the uh, cadets to exercise and stuff like that. Like there's a little there's a little subtle like a BDSM kind of play. There's, kind of there's, def- there's definitely a BDSM vibe, and I, I mean it is kind of one of those things though where it's like, well, if you're gonna do it, like let's you know let's let's push it a little bit further, right? Like let's mm-hmm. you know it it just feels like there's no edge. I mean, it just feels, like I, yeah. I don't I don't like laugh at this. I mean, there wasn't much that I like laughed at at this. There was no kind of, you know, because you know, comedy is about like okay, you set up an expectation and then subvert that expectation. And you know, it's just kind of all about like let's just it's just lazy. It's just sort of it like, is. you know, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it never kind of asks me to commit to anything long enough that, you know, to kind of make me care. You know, even even the uh, the the one thing that it does that feels a little bit risky is the like we're going to build a, an extended comedy uh, callback on uh, racial tension and, uh, you oh, know, the oh. possibility of a lynching. And then it just ends up with, you know, the black dude brings a mountain lion into <laughs> uh, oh, the racist bar. You yeah, know. it's, it's weird because like these guys are recruited and. Initially, you know, where they're learning, they all encounter assholes who fuck with them, basically. So as as they progress, basically, there's a sequence where everybody sort of gets revenge on all these people. The one black character in this. So he 
he has the idea of we gotta pick up some chicks, dude. So let's go to this fucking honky tonk bar and all these cowboys are a bunch of racist assholes. And so what do you think is going to happen? He gets kicked. He gets beaten out of the bar basically. And then he encounters these characters a couple more times in the movie. And at one point he legit gets tarred and feathered. Like he gets lynched by, by he, these people. He, he, get, he gets tarred and feathered, which I mean, tarring and feathering is the sort of thing that, you know, around this time, I mean, it's intervention of the narrative. It's in, you know, a bunch of, you know, yeah. it, it was kind of a bunch of cartoons did the thing, you know, but Tarring and feathering was an actual technique of lynching. Like, it was, you know, pouring boiling oil over people and then, you know, covering them in feathers. It was a a form of torture, you know. So kind of uncomfortable when it's your one black dude. (laughs) It's like the one black dude. Of course he's going to get lynched in this film. What the fuck? It was was the mid-80s. Nobody really understood the racial issues at that point you know certainly yeah, in canada right you know, well like, well here's the thing it's you assume it's supposed to be in america somewhere this was filmed in wasaga beach ontario and it's obviously fucking ontario but yeah so it's it's supposed to be like somewhere in america where there's a bunch of like really deep self fucking hillbillies in a bar feeling it's like in maryland or something because this Maybe, is a town yeah. like it's like clam beach or something like that yeah like, and they've just got like a little like spray painted little stencil on the side of the cop car, <laughs> which you know <laughs> struck me as the sort of thing that like a really strapped for cash little beachfront community would do. Um, so there is an element of like I just sort of bought it on the uh, like I just sort of went okay, fine, let's just build a reality out of this. But this was again, my wife watched this with me, and she just turned like, "Is this supposed to be set in the U.S.? Because like <laughs> that really looks like Canada." I'm like, no, it's it's made in Canada. <laughs> uh, you, your wife has a keen eye. Um, a keen but, eye for Canada. Yeah, Canada. I like how bikini girls, they both hang out at the beach and they also hang out at bridges, apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's kind of a thing. I, I like how the, um, the typical, like, this would be the Bobcat Gulfweight character, like the, you know, the party animal. He's replaced by this just drunk old guy. Like he's just an old bum off the street. He's just <laughs> and he just he just sort of staggers through the whole film. I kind of like that character. Like it's a funny little thing. It's just, he he arrests someone just to steal their booze. <laughs> I like that. The mayor's daughter. She's she apparently for some reason the mayor's daughter ends up being put in the police force, and no one has a problem with this. Although they're trying to screw over the mayor. The central plot is they're trying to embarrass the mayor and the governor so that the police chief can take over as mayor. Uh, So let's put the mayor's uh, nympho daughter on the police force who basically is just constantly trying to have sex with people. And when she's not doing that, she's on the motorcycle using it as a vibrator. (laughs) Well, that is, I mean, that's just, that's just how you, that's just politics in Canada. I I guess. It's just just a thing, you know. I assume. I'm sure that's something that Rob Ford would have done, right? I mean, you know. Probably. Uh, <laughs> Rob Ford pretty at home in this picture, I think. That's my one reference to Canadian politics that I'm, um, you know, I, I feel proud of that when I was an American, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, we're, we're pretty nondescript, so when, when, so when a political figure in Canada actually makes the news, it's actually pretty weird. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta mention, like, this, this kind of ends in this weird motorcycle battle between, like, the the recruits end up being the people who have to save the day because the regular cops all get food poisoning because 
Uh, one of the cops uses a toxic waste barrel as a fucking barrel to boil lobsters in oh, later on. God. Right, Which yeah, yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> people die. People off screen, they died. Yeah, there, there, there's, there's like, there's like, a, there, there's a famine. There, there's, a, there's, there's a whole pestilence happening just off screen in this film. <laughs> and then we end up in a, in a motorcycle gang chase slash battle on the beach. That uh, makes no sense because no sense. they don't do anything on the motorcycles. Like they just kind of like drive past each other. It, it's, yeah. it's when they get off the motorcycles and then that's where Thor gets his time to shine where he beats up half the biker gang. Yeah. But it's the, we had enough money for motorcycles. We did not have enough money for a proper stunt choreographer. Yeah, pretty no, much. That's, that's the lesson we're learning. I also just uh, looked up our Nazi uh, in this film. The, the sexy Nazi is Colleen Carney. She is in Meatballs 3, and I think she's uh, Mean Jean's wife. Oh! The <laughs> the, the sexy... Uh, no, that's... You know, um, that's is, isn't that... Uh... No, that's, that's, so she is in that. She's Cheryl, and I can't remember which character Cheryl Yeah, yeah. Maybe Cheryl me... is, the, is the girl who... Uh, takes her top off at the end of meatballs three maybe yeah I, I, i'm gonna have to research that now you, yeah, we, you... we have to go we have to research yes we have to go find out yeah. <laughs> you my interest now uh, because yeah no it, it's um it's gene simmons wife is the uh main squeeze of uh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah right so i i probably just have the names wrong i was trying to like google I was trying to Google image search and like nobody fucking knows what Meatballs 3 is anymore. On the yeah, yeah, really? It's a lost masterpiece is what we're saying. Go back yeah. and listen to our Meatballs episode. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll see how you see how great it is. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I'm not going to pretend this is great. Um, yeah. Compared to Screwballs, this is definitely like second or third tier as far as Canadian sex comedies go. I, I just think it's, it is kind of fun. Like there there is some fun stuff in this. But overall, it's just like totally bland and forgettable at the same time. The only thing that kind of stands out for this is that it tries to go a bit more raunchy than Screwballs as far as we'll put on almost semi-softcore sex scenes in this mm-hmm. film yeah. compared to Screwballs. But and that's it's got it. some nudity in it. It's got some, yeah. it's got some, and it's got some fun nudity in it, but it's, it's just kind of, it doesn't deliver on anything else. So no. I mean, it is, it is sort of, you know. It's not. It's not necessarily like an entertaining watch. Like I don't want to sit down and rewatch the film again. Yeah, because there's nothing in it that sort of draws me back into it to go. Oh yeah, like that was that was a fun little sequence. I mean, it's got like a couple little spiky moments, and otherwise it's just kind of yeah. Yeah. But again, maybe maybe it would have worked. Kind of you know, again, a big screen or as a drive-in. I guess it's a little late for the drive-in era, but um, you know, I could I kind of see. I don't know what would I. <laughs> What would a like edited for television like? What would be the point of an edited? Film? Oh, um, they the version we saw. There's been there there was twenty minutes edited out of that apparently. Wow. So, well, okay. Yeah. So good, good guess. Like if they edited this down for TV, it would be like seventy minutes because yeah, yeah. There, there is quite a bit of nudity and stuff in this that would have to be chopped down. Yeah, so there's whole sequences that would have to be cut of this film. The, the sequence of the uh, the mayor's daughter and the dude uh, fucking in the police car, where the car just like the brake goes off and they start going down the road, and they come <laughs> Which, up behind those okay, two robbers. Okay. 
Okay, that bit, that bit, I laugh that's at. Good. Honestly, that's, that's that, a good bit. That that's a, that's a, that that belongs in a not the original Police Academy, but definitely no later than Police Academy three you know, <laughs> on the on the standards of like you know how good that bit is. That was a moment where you know so I do I do just kind of go okay movie you got me that was that was stupid but you know it, and it, and I'll I'll describe this for the people listening because I'm not necessarily going to recommend this film I'm I'm, I'm not going to say like go out of your way to find this. So basically the mayor's nympho daughter and the guy she's really got the hots for, basically she joined the police force so she could keep fucking them. Basically is what's going on. They decide, you know, they're, they're in training or whatever. They decide, fuck training. Let's go in the car and fuck. And so they get in the police car and they start banging. They hit the uh, emergency brake on the police car and the car starts rolling down the hill. It rolls into town and remarkably, it managed to navigate several streets and show up and stop behind these two criminals who are holding up people. Just at just <laughs> the moment a crime is being committed, there, there's a holdup happening. The lights have just sort of magically come on. <laughs> and then when he says, like, take your pants off, the criminals are, you know, they raise their hands and then start taking their you know, <laughs> drawers down. And so, you know, massive, uh, you know, it. it the ongoing issues with the police state are well commented upon in this, in this film. You know, yeah. Which bear recruits, and I by bear, I, I mean bear, bear yeah. recruits, you know, can uh, indeed uh, insert their authority in ways that are incredibly problematic for, uh, you know, an oppressed minority population. And that's clearly what this scene is going for, is uh, to really make us consider the socio-political implications of um, this team of incompetence being uh, police recruits. And uh, by extension, <laughs> the entire um, structure by which we uh, expect police to uh, act in the uh, service of uh, capital. That's what I was thinking of when I was watching that sequence. We we need to uh, direct our friend Jack Graham to Ralph Zelensky because apparently he's <laughs> one of the most important progressive directors. Yeah, mo- most important directors in terms of like really examining the relationship between. <laughs> okay, we're trying too hard. We're trying too hard. Yeah, no. <laughs> but there, there really is like I, I was because this film gave me very little to actually think about while I was, I was sitting and thinking about the. Uh, sort of the relationship of police on screen in these kinds of films. And we're just sort of, it's because of course police are supposed to be like competent and it's just sort of like an expectation in film. Mm -hmm. Like we kind of, and so the funny thing about having like stupid people join the police Academy and kind of going and doing this is that it subverts our expectations of like kind of the good and virtuous cop. But in reality, these, this is way more like what, the police are actually like <laughs> <laughs> there are a bunch of fuck ups in there to wells who basically use their use their authority for their own uh, private yeah, gain abuse power yeah yeah i wouldn't recommend it personally but if you're like a big fan of the sort of screwball comedies if you're if you're you know if you like falsolinsky's stuff you have to do it as a completist kind of thing if you if even if you're like a fan of police academy and you're kind of like oh yeah i could sit through like i've seen the other seven films at least twice mm-hmm. uh you know i want something <laughs> oh, wow. else in that same vein you know throw it on like and it's get, it's yeah. it's it's not terrible it's just kind of dumb you know like and you'll you'll get a lot more nudity than Leslie Easterbrook ever gave you in the Police Academy films, at the very which least. Is, which is uh, 
unfortunate or for, you know depending on depending it, it on is unfortunate time, because you know? yeah she she had nice breasts but dvd info for this there is none this is uh you can buy very expensive vhs's on ebay if you so desire you can get it on youtube <laughs> this, this this is on rare list so you know yeah you can get it on rare list you can get it on youtube uh with i think czechoslovakian subtitles or something along those well, lines you know <laughs> Check subtitles. Would would oh, it's a language learning experience. That's the uh, that's the way we should advertise this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lunch recruits and learn Czech at the same time. And there's uh, of course many burn on demand services uh, in the black market for this. So Yaksherechnicheski titties. <laughs> that's how do you say titties in Czech? Sorry, that's the uh, you know. no. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, I guess we're done. Daniel, where can we find you on the interwebs? You can find me. I am at Daniel E. Harper on Twitter. Um, I thought I was going to have to uh, put my account to private this morning because a, uh, a very famous neo-Nazi discovered my page and uh, oh. I got a bunch of, uh, I got a bunch of very delightful memes shared in my, but oh, uh, sure it turned out that was a, that was about a two hour experience and uh, it didn't get very bad. And so like, whatever, but uh, I'm just going to say, fuck you, millennial woes, you Scottish racist shithead. Yeah, yeah, fuck you, Nazi. You know. Other than that, uh, you can find me at uh, Wrong with Authority. That's another uh, podcast I do. It's uh, movies about history and the history they're about. That's wrongwithauthority.blogspot.com. And uh, the episode we did on Anonymous, hypothetically, is going up soon. We did record that. It was a fun recording. I think it's a fun listen. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, I haven't listened to it, but I was there for the conversation, obviously. And, uh, you know. I kind of I kind of poo pooed it uh, last week, so I want to like play it up this week. I think yeah. that will be a fun watch, a, a fun listen, even if you haven't seen the film. I think, and, and in fact, probably better if you have not seen the film because the film <laughs> is awful. But uh, <laughs> I think the conversation we had about the film is uh, fairly entertaining. So nice. Uh, you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com. You can find our Apple Podcast fucking shit there. You can find our YouTube. If you, Wherever you found this episode, you can also find future episodes at that same place. That's yeah. the, you know. And- you can list. find you can find our fucking Facebook shit. Facebook, they must be destroyed on site on Facebook. Best place to come and get in contact with us and you know, give us movie suggestions, uh give us comments, give us uh, opinions. Movies you want to see us talk about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because you know we're we're just freeballing it here. I mean, uh, we're we're definitely we, we, said, we said in the last one that we do this nude, and it's still true. We are we mm-hmm. are nude whenever we record. You know. Yeah, I mean, if you want to send movie suggestions into new two nude hairy men, that should be something you should focus yeah. on if you join our Facebook group. And I mean. We do have a couple of uh, listener requests we still have to fucking get to. So, uh, and th- th- they're still coming. Don't worry. They're still coming. It's just, we're very slow at getting to stuff, even it's just, on it's our just, own. It's just, it's just, it's just, we, we follow our own muse here. We, we yeah. follow what, what we, and we do take advice and we do, we do enjoy doing films that people want us to cover. We put it on the master list and we get to it eventually. That's yeah. the, that's the strategy because ultimately all this podcast is, is Lee and I sitting around and having some beers and talking about movies. That's, that's what this is for. Yeah. And so uh, if you get any enjoyment out of it, that's, that's kind of on you. We don't do this for you. This is, you know, <laughs> But, you know, we enjoy being on you. 
uh, and, yeah. and, and we enjoy your enjoyment of us being on you and mm. we'll continue to do that. So thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Daniel, for joining me and we'll see you guys next week. We're doing the fucking, we've already decided we're doing the fucking flesh Gordon films. So uh, that's apparently, apparently I haven't seen either of them. So like, you know, uh, momentary lapse in judgment on my part. Suddenly now we're not doing really, it's not, really okay. not really, not really momentary awesome. lapse. Cause yeah, I think you're going to enjoy them. All right. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers.
too. They must be destroyed on site. For more episodes, links to our Apple Podcast site, YouTube, and our Facebook group, as well as other websites and podcasts of similar interest, please visit us at tmbtos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through filthy, slimy 